Poetic Properties is a complex creation brought to you by Infinitely Complex Production and sponsorship with Peacefully Flawed Apparel, where we believe that no matter the darkness, you have the opportunity and ability to get to the light. Thank you for tuning in to the Poetic Property Podcast. I am your host, Complex the Poet, father, author, and entrepreneur. I don't even know where to start this week. It's just been so hectic, man. Like every turn has been something crazy and I'm just exhausted. I'm not even going to hold you. It's just been difficult just trying to uh, make sure that I'm I'm resting the best that I can. Like I'm falling asleep, but I, I'm tossing and turning. My mind is mentally racing while I'm asleep, having weird dreams and stuff like that, not allowing me to fully rest, which in turn affect how I get through my day. Um, without rest, my body is not being able to reset. So like my physical ailments, like the aches and the pains and stuff, they just get crazy. I had to drive pretty much down to, to Mexico for my son's soccer game. I'm not Mexico, but I had to drive down to Nogales, which is two and a half to probably two hours and 45 minutes for me. And man, that drive was insane on my body. And I'm like, yo, like, I can't believe I'm at this age now to where, like, I can't sit for too long. <laughs> like, I gotta, I gotta get up and stuff like that. Um, and just mentally preparing for that type of drive and not knowing kind of where you're at and stuff like that, it is draining. Also, I have teenagers that, for whatever reason, they like to draw attention to themselves. And so I had to have a talk with my oldest. Well, I had to pop them in the head first, but I had to have a talk with my oldest about decorum and visiting places that you know nothing about and, you know, behaving, right? Everything isn't funny. Like, there's a time and place for everything. Uh, but we, we had a really good conversation for that drive that we had took. And um, I learned a lot about him. He learned a lot about me. I'm very open with my kids. And I finally, you know, because I didn't want to pressure him about college and what he wanted to major in. And he actually opened up and told me what he wanted to major in and minor in. So it was a very, very good conversation with that part. Um, however, their attitudes have been extremely crazy towards me. And it's very, very difficult being the primary parent that they run to for everything because I have to deal with not only the good stuff, the confusing stuff, them being sick, them needing things. I have to deal with the attitudes that they obtain from interaction with the other parent. And it becomes very difficult for me because they're older now they have muscles, they got a little bit of height on them, and so the attitudes are a little bit different. And I never want to look at my kids like people on the street. But if they don't shift their attitude properly, then it, it may go there. And it's, it's weird because, like, I know for a fact that in life, the person closest to you, the person's ear that you have, the shoulder you have to lean on, they take the brunt of the emotional distress, not because they are at fault, but because they are the one there giving you the freedom to be who you need to be, as open as you need to be, but it gets overwhelming. And so I'm in the midst right now of teaching my kids, and like I've been doing um, with their mental health overall, but this specifically is 
being able to properly, um, how can I say this? I want them to be able, if they're mad, if they're hurt, indifferent, I want them to, to be able to give the emotion towards the thing and not everything, if that makes sense. So, like, my kids will get mad at one thing, and they're mad at everything. It doesn't matter who did it, who said it. They're just, it just is what it is. Um, and with four different personalities to try to cultivate, to understand, it is okay for you to be mad. It's okay, it's okay for you to express your emotions. But you have to realize, if I didn't do it, then you can't be mad at me. And if you are unable to do that, take my lead and remove yourself, right? That's what that, uh, I don't hide my mental health struggles with them so that if by chance they go through this, they know how to maneuver through it. One of the biggest things on, on my list of importance as a result to when depression hits and anxiety hits, paranoia hits, whatever, one of my one of my main things is to make sure I'm not taking it out on anyone, making sure that I'm not taking out the aggression, the rage that I feel, the hurt that I feel, making sure that I'm able to under like making sure that I'm not creating further damage than what they might already have with just living life, because the last thing they need on top of whatever they're going through in their own lives is a dictator father, an abusive father, a manipulative father, an obsessive, narcissistic father, right? They don't need all of that. So, by example, I'm trying to show them, all right, it's okay, you, you can be mad. You can be hurt, you can be bothered. But don't give me attitude unprovoked. Give me the same respect that I give you and be like, Dad, I'm just, I'm not feeling it right now. I, I'll text you. You know, I, I told you guys before, I'm not overbearing when it comes to my kids. I ask them, you good? If they say, yeah, I leave it alone. I don't push. I don't pry. It don't matter what I feel they're going through, but I don't, I don't force them to express emotions unnecessarily in, on my time, right? If they say they're not good, I resp do you want to talk about it? They either say yes or no. If they say no, I'm like, all right, well, whenever you're ready to talk about it, you can either text me or come talk to me. And so I've been struggling with that this week because it's been months and months and months that they've been having attitude towards me. And I'm the provider and I'm the protector. And, I, and, and my ego got in the way because I'm like, I'm doing all of this solo how dare you talk to me like that? But the reality of it is, I haven't fully taught them how to, I haven't fully taught them how to address the anger. I haven't fully taught them how to address the hurt, right? So of course, they gonna just spread it around the house because they, they don't know no better. I teach them things overall, but I didn't realize that we were we were now getting into a space where um, 
where there were necessities in, in, in the mental space of where they needed guidance at. And I started realizing that because I'm like, yo, like y'all keep, y'all keep on, right? Like don't, I don't allow them to be victims of their mental health because I got to keep going. I allow them to feel what they feel and think what they think and stuff like that. And we have our discussions about it. But what we're not going to do, and like we talked about, what we're not going to do is set aggressive energy in the house. I don't like it. I don't want it. I don't like confusion amongst us. I tell them all the time, like, we've been doing this for a long time. Junior will be 18. He has lived with me since he was five. There's no reason why we are now backpedaling on our connection, on our communication, on our expectations of each other. And I'm talking about the three older ones. Because, again, my youngest son didn't come with me for real, for real until he was four. And so I'm still working on our relationship and trying to get him to understand that I love him as much as I love his brothers. Like the love, the, the love is different, but it's the same, if that makes sense. But I, I notice in myself, sometimes I am absent minded trying to take care of the necessities because I don't have help. So certain things don't line up priority wise. I can't be everywhere at all times. I can't worry about paying the bills and worry about what you're going through mentally at the same exact time. But you might need me right now, like right now, right now, and I'm not able to do it because my mind is occupied with how we going to pay rent, with how we going to, you know, pay the car, no, how we going to do this, how we going to do that. And so juggling all that, it creates a high level of frustration. And then now we're into it because everybody is testosterone driven and we're trying to figure that part out. And so this week, it has just been a lot on all of us. And so I just been letting them, not letting them because they can speak how they want to speak as long as like, like my rule is don't approach me like you want to fight. That's it. Say what you want to say, but don't approach me like you want to fight because my mind has gone click into or switch into fight or flight and I'm not running the way that my life is going. I'm just, I'm not running. Take me out. I don't, it is what it is. I don't like not take me out, but let's, let's, let's move some furniture. Let, let's just do it. But I'm just noticing little things to where that I have to make some adjustments in myself, regardless of how deep I'm into my healing. Like I have to make some adjustments to myself because they don't, they don't have it. You know, and I, I really try to stay out of their relationship with their mother uh, to the to the extent of their conversations and stuff like that. When, when certain things are said, it really it really forces my hand. And I really don't like being that person because I know how it is to be forced not to be able to communicate with your child as I'm going through that with my daughter Imani. I know how that is. I don't wish that on, on nobody. I don't want to put that on nobody. I, I just don't. But one of my biggest things is don't say things to my kids, anybody, 
don't say things to my kids that's going to open up wounds that they that they've been actively trying to heal. Like, I don't put stuff on them that I'm going through that I know that's going to traumatize them further. Or I don't I don't talk bad about their mom. I don't say anything like that. Like my youngest son, he's starting to now ask, why did y'all get a divorce? Because he didn't get the foundation that the other boys got. She got to tell him that that's a question he needs to ask her. Because she had him. She had him primarily all that time. I was I was his weekend dad, whereas um, the three older ones, they, they rock with me. Right. So when he's asking me stuff like that, I have to be cognizant of how I say what I say, because in no way do I ever want to let my emotions tell the story of what happened. And like, if there was ever a time that I was very, very cognizant of controlling my emotions, it's when each of my kids respectively asked me, why did I divorce their mother? Because I can say what I want to say. They're still going to have questions. So I can't tell you what she did. I can just tell you it wasn't working for me because I don't want you to think that I'm a victim or whatever. Even though I am, I don't want you to misconstrue that. And so he's constantly asking me why this, why that. And I'm not sitting here ignoring him at all by no means. But I speak to him at his age. He's a very, very young uh, 12 uh, 11. He's a young, young, young 11 mentally. And he can't handle certain things. And that frustrates me as well because the other three are more independent. Um, they're very intelligent. They're very mature for their ages as it results to certain emotions and how they deal with stuff. We just still working on the anger part. So I find that it's, it's just, it's very important to just be present in general, mentally and physically, because there is there is a harm to being physically present, but mentally absent. Like in a world with distractions and constant uh, connectivity is more crucial than ever. And connectivity meaning like online, social media, stuff like that. Like I can't monitor what's going on with them every second of the day. I don't even care to do that, but they have so much, so many connections to things that might lead them in the, in the wrong direction as a result to, you know, their mental health, how they feel about their mom and stuff like that. And I notice, and again, this is my podcast. I'm going to try to worry it correctly. And if I don't, um, and it sounds bad. I, I, I apologize because the intent is not that I don't, uh, I, it's not a bad mouthing situation. It's just the facts of being present, right? Being, being present, being physically present, but mentally absent refers to a state where a person's body is in a particular location, but their mind is elsewhere. That has been the entirety of my, my marriage that had been the uh, entirety of my parental struggle 
with their mother. And I ran interference for so long because I don't want them to have a bad view of me or their mother. And just so we can, you know, make it very clear, I'm, I'm very big on protecting them, even if it's from me. The problem with that is there was a time that I was doing harm, not abuse, not stuff like that, but I was extremely hard on them while not having nothing for myself because I had had another child and mentally all I heard, like all I hear coming up is, uh, Child support that, child support that, you don't do this. So in my mind, if I give y'all all of my money, then everything is going to be good. And I had to learn the hard way that that's not the case because I was giving up all of my money and splitting my time, getting on the bus to go here, getting on the bus to go there. And I start realizing that I needed something for myself. And then that's when drama started to be created because I was no longer being pushed over. I was no longer being abused. I was no longer being taken advantage of because I finally had stood up. And so I want to make sure that my kids don't have to go through that part, that they don't have to go through that, that learning phase. And so I was mentally with them, but I wasn't physically there. But then when I physically was there, because now I'm trying to figure out how do I, like, like what I tell people all the time, I love my daughter. I love, love, love my daughter. One of the worst things, even when me and my daughter's mom was okay. I've always said one of the worst things I have done to myself as a man is have kids by multiple people. Not because of there's possible drama with their mothers, but I cannot be at two places at one time. And if I'm dealing with a parent who is stubborn and, oh, well, I need to track your every move, like like treating you like a babysitter, and then you have one parent that is completely absent-minded, it's like I'm in a whirlwind of chaos, and it's, it's my fault. It, you know what I mean? I'm not going to blame them because, like I tell y'all, when people do stuff to you and you stay, it's no longer their fault. It's on you. And so as I start going through my healing journey, I started realizing, yo, it's important for me to be here all the way or not. And I in and, and from that point, and this is again, this is right when I right around when I got the boys full time, full custody, all that, is when I really start understanding, like, bro, you are a father. Like, yeah, you've always been there, you've always been present, you like. Where is your foundation now? Where is your line that you are not willing to let be crossed in order for you to be the best father, the best person that you can be? And I started on a healing journey and I started losing people. But I started gaining love from my kids. I started gaining openness, honesty, conversation. My kids will tell you right now, and, and we just had a conversation the other day, and they was just laughing like, man, dad really be having a round table like we nights. And I was cracking up because any decision that I have ever made that had a possibility of affecting their lives since they were toddlers and, and two of my kids had no clue what the hell I was even talking about. But I would sit them down like, hey, this is what we're doing. 
you agree, you don't agree, and I'm talking like they still in diapers, you know, sucking their thumbs, and I'm just talking to them. And as they got older, they started to understand me and they start to understand why I would talk to them how I did. I'm like, we're not doing the baby stuff. I got so much flack early on. You treat them like adults. You treat them like they're your, uh, your best friends and blah, blah, blah. I do. I do. Because I'm not raising prisoners. Uh, this is not a dictatorship. These are human beings that have to have their freedom to think how they think. It is my job to help cultivate that. It's not my job to, to tell them. It's not my job. And I'm just going to give you a quick example. Twin loves robotics. Loves robotics. I went out and I got so much stuff about robotics because you love robotics and I'm about to make you do robotics. But then it wasn't fun no more. Junior loved fashion, loved it. And I'm like, all right, bet. So we got to look for, we got to look for uh, uh, fashion school, design school, da, 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 da. And I'm like, now I'm just like, he, he don't care. He still care how he dressed, but he don't care like that. The moment I start trying to, you know, high key Joe Jackson then, because this, this is your passion, right? I'm talking to Junior, and again, I'm still thinking we we fashion and basketball at this point. Fan was like, I want to do broadcasting. I want to do business marketing. Huh? I thought we was doing fashion. That's what I'm saying mentally, but I'm listening to him talk, and apparently he's way more into podcasting, broadcasting, whatever, than I even even knew. But that's because I start being both physically and mentally present, being cognizant of how I do my podcast, how I study, how I look, you know, how I research, how I come up with the title, how I come up with the topics, and he's seeing that. And he's seeing how comfortable I am, and he's seeing I'm trying to help the world, and now he's like, yeah, I want to do that. Even with twin. I had no clue he, he cared about sports. For real, for real. Again, I'm still thinking robotics. This boy get on the soccer field and he, it's, he hasn't played soccer since he was nine. Coach telling me, hey man, I just need a few weeks with him. Like for real, like a few hardcore weeks to, to get him accustomed to the rules and the movement a little bit. But he going to be a problem. No clue because I wasn't there mentally. I'm there trying to pay the bills. I'm there trying to discipline. I'm there cooking. I'm doing all that. And, and I didn't see it. I didn't see it. Back to, to, to the conversation, right? Something was said to them by their mother and I knew that it was going to create an avalanche. I knew it was. And it has. And so it's just been days and days and days of attitude 
sassiness per se, aggression, and I'm tired. I, I don't I don't have the energy for that. And I'm not tolerating it. Not like go be mad in your room. If you don't want to talk, go be mad in your room because I didn't I didn't do it. And it's in it's just been it's been hectic, right? Um this absent mindedness, it happens often when people are pre- preoccupied with thoughts and worries or distractions. It makes it challenging for them to engage fully with their surroundings. I could attest to that. Like uh at the soccer game. I'm focused on getting back home. I'm focused on, all right, what are they going to eat for dinner? I'm focused on, all right, Junior has to go to work. I'm focused on, I got to pick this up. I got to pick, I'm, fo- I'm, I'm, I'm at the game, but my, my mind is not there. I'm in the house, but my mind is not there. Right? And I'm, I'm telling you, I'm very cognizant on recognizing it. And I, com- I have completely changed how I operate as a result to myself, as a result to the kids. There is worry when you have anxiety. That's pretty much, you know, what it is. It's like you're worrying about things that don't even really exist for real, but there's no way to stop it. So that's, that's difficult. Um, There are situations where you can be with your loved ones and this has been me forever since phones were existed. I'm always on my phone. But for me, it's like a child's binky. Half the time, I don't, I don't be looking at nothing. I just be scrolling. Uh, a lot of times I have headphones on. Nothing be playing in my headphones. I, like I've caught so much, so many people talking crazy about me thinking I have headphones in or thinking I have something playing in the headphones, but it's a, it's, it's a, a safety blanket for me, right? But it looks the way, it looks like you're not interested. It looks like you don't care. And there is some people who, who get into that and they, they don't care. But it's like, you can be attending a meeting, right? We all hate meetings for real. In a meeting, you're listening, but you are, coming up with a to-do list for later. You are thinking about what you got to do when you get home. You are thinking about all these other things except for the thing that's right in front of you. For me, that has created chaos. And that's a lot of reason why I'm able to go so hard on being present because I know the the uh, collateral damage that comes with not being fully here. This... How can I say this? When you are physically present and mentally absent, vice versa, this affects a lot of our day-to-day. Many aspects of our lives are affected by this, truly. A lot of us can't control this. There's very few people that can, but for us that can't control it, there is a lot of consequences to this. 
I experienced it with this conversation and the things that were said to my, to my kids by their mother. And I'm, the reason why I'm, I'm saying that because they brought it up to me like, yo, like, why, why would she say that? Like, out loud. And I'm like, bro, listen, we could, I, I, I don't know. We could talk about how you feel about it, but I can't answer for her why she is the way that she is. I'm doing my best to, to show you guys why I am the way that I am and give you guidance through it. And their thing is, all right, well, why is she not equally, why is she not equally trying to, to be what she's supposed to be? Again, it's a question I cannot answer. And it's very difficult. It's very difficult looking into their eyes and having these conversations with them and just listening to what they feel about certain things and what they, they've seen growing up and how they respond to them. I don't wish this on nobody. But I can no longer... I cannot be their shield in a war they have to fight themselves. I can't be on the front line right now. Unfortunately, even at this age, I can't be on the front line right now. They have to see what they need to see. I cannot keep on running interference. They have to see and hear what they need to hear without me trying to word it in a gentle way. They have to. They have to. I just took them... I just took them to the park so I could get this podcast done. And I did that because I don't I don't like them hearing. I don't like them hearing when I'm really going through it. Uh, my oldest does listen to the podcast and we typically have conversations about it, but it's after it's recorded and stuff when I can focus on what his questions are with them here. And they hear me recording this stuff. They want to talk like right now. And I got to get this done because I got to get it out of me so I don't, in turn, be a hypocrite and take out my frustrations on them because it's stuck in me. But mentally absent, it can strain relationships, which it has for me. A lot of I have a lot of relationships that are strained because I'm just, I'm so focused on trying to heal myself. I know it sounds selfish and stuff like that, but my entire life has been about giving has been about inspiring people and I was not applying that to myself. And so now, uh, word to Miss Waters, I'm reclaiming my time. Not in a negative way, not in an arrogant way, but in a way that is needed for me to be whole. Right? I can't look outwardly for somebody to make me whole. It's not possible. So I start reclaiming my love. I start reclaiming my peace, my patience, um, my empathy. I start reclaiming that for myself so that I could be here. And here is, is wherever, right? It's difficult because people don't understand that. A lot, of, uh, a lot of, you know, family, friends, associates, what have you, a lot of them have very strong-willed minds that they're able to push through so they don't understand when someone is at an emotional deficit, they don't understand how that fully works and how that affects someone 
um, even though I try my best to be present, it's just very difficult because there's so much on my mind. My back is against the wall, like almost every single day. And I can't give, I, I, I can't. Like, I know it feels like to people, like you don't care. But it's not that. It's I do care. And if you knew how much I care, like what's going on in my mind, you wouldn't feel abandoned or you wouldn't feel like I'm being distant because I'm a helper. And when I hear certain things, my mind pushes every single thing that I'm going through to the back. And now I'm trying to help you fix whatever it is. So now, again, I'm absent-minded for myself. So when I'm done helping, when I'm done helping you, who helping me? Who's guiding me back to my center point? Who's holding my hand to help me cross the bridge? And again, this is not a woe is me. Oh, I don't have no help. This, that, and the other. I'm still in a part of my journey that I have to fill me up more. I still have some room that uh, I still have some room that needs to be filled with eyes. I need to love myself harder. I need to care for myself harder. I need to believe in myself more. I can't I can't reach out. I'm sorry. I can't reach out for your care because if you take it away, it's going to be missing again. I can't reach out for your love because if you give it to me, you get me dependent on it and you disappear on me, I'm, I'm empty again. So I have to, to fill those categories for myself and I'm still in that space. And anybody who listens to this podcast that I love and I care about, I apologize. Not for having to do what I have to do, but... If you feel like I've abandoned you, if you feel like I'm distant to you, just understand it's not that. I, this is not right now. This is not your problem. I know you love me. I know you care. I know you you will pour into me. I know. I know. But you're pouring into an empty vessel right now. By the time I'm strong enough to allow you to pour, it should be overflowing because I feel myself. This is not your cross to bear. It is it's mine and I have to I have to get there. And I get there by being both mentally and, and, and physically present. I can't worry about who isn't. I, I can only worry about who is. My brother used to say all the time, it don't matter who they got, we got us. It don't matter who I got, I got me. And if I don't believe that, what good am I to this world? What good am I to myself? What good am I to my kids? With that, I got to protect my kids from having to experience that. I can't protect them if I can't protect myself. I can't tell them to believe in herself if I'm sitting here not believing in me. I know relationships break I know I know I get it it's it's crazy how how life works but until we start doing that work on ourselves you don't know 
I'm very big on self-love right now. I'm very big on being selfish properly. I'm very big on isolation because I can't allow my upbringing. I can't allow the generational cycles. I can't allow that to be the it and all for me. Like I have to find my way within that. It's certain things that I still believe in, at like how I was raised, it's certain things. It's certain things my 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 nana, my uncles and stuff that I've heard them say that I believe in. But again, I'll take it back to the beginning. Those things, those lessons, those those talks came from places of fear. They grew up, you know, uh, uh, very close to slavery, very close to before segregation and segregation. They they they're teaching from that space. And the world, though, still the same in a lot of ways. It is very different. My fear is not their fear. My hurt is not their hurt. Where, they're, where they've been put in position to ignore their mental health and keep pushing and no matter what, just keep going. I'm in a position to where no, my mental health is valuable to me because if my mind goes, everything goes with it. My identity, my love, my care, my empathy, my thoughts, my ideas. If my mind goes, everything goes with it. I don't have the luxury of ignoring my mind. And it may take me longer than it takes other people to deal with depression and anxiety and paranoia. It may take me a little less time than others. Everything isn't the same and you have to learn how to get through it. You have to learn how to be able to handle it. I don't reach out to anybody because I don't have the mental strength to explain fully what's happening because one, I don't know. And two, the only people that I have to reach out to are very hardcore, like men, men. And they don't understand the, the emotional deficit. They don't understand the physical deficit. They don't understand the mental deficit that we are in, right? For people who, you know, go through, you know, are going through what I went through. And what I go through daily. And it's like, I know the things that I talk about, somebody else will probably listen and be like, those are so small. And I liken it to this. Bulletproof glass is bulletproof, right? Stick with me. But if I shoot one spot over and over and over. The strength of that window is going to be reduced tremendously. And through those cracks, I may not be able to get a full bullet through that window, but through those cracks, I might get some lethal gas. I might could shoot some liquid in there. So even the strongest wall, even the quote-unquote indestructible uh, force field has a weakness. And I cannot ignore 
the weakness. Yeah, I'm strong. Yeah, I die about it. Yeah, I fight. I do all of that. But there is a certain weakness in me that needs attention because I cannot lose my mind. I have to be here. I still have purpose. I still have things that I need to do. I still have uh, accomplishments. I need to see what my kids, I still have to go to weddings and graduations and be a grandparent and stuff like that. And at the same time, I have to realize that I won't get that with my youngest child. And I'm dealing with that. It's balance. It's balance. I have friends that, that have new babies. It's triggering. It shouldn't be, but it is. I have friends that have a healthy co-parenting life. It shouldn't be triggering. It is. But I'm not going to ruin our friendship because of what I'm going through. I'm not going to say, fuck your baby because my baby died. I'm not going to say, fuck your co-parenting situation because mine is ass. But I'm also not going to bother you with it because you don't you're not going through it. You don't you don't understand. I don't like being a, a quote unquote downer to people, but a lot of shit be going on in my life that I just remain strong through and keep it pushing. When I be saying I'm all right, like have to, not even have a little like probably 85 percent of the time I'll be like, no, nah, I'm good. I am not good. But what good is telling somebody I'm not good that ain't gonna that that ain't gonna help? They can't help. They don't know how to help because I don't know how to help. And we have to be true to ourselves when we just don't we just don't know. That's why for me I stay fighting until I figure it out. I can't discuss with somebody what I'm going through if they've never went through it. Because they are gonna be absent-minded. Like it's like that, like that's why it's it's difficult when it comes to when it comes to support, right? Because you have people that will support you to the end, even if they don't know how to. And I love that for people who can accept that. I personally feel bad and I feel guilty. Like I'm wasting my time talking to you because you gonna ride for me no matter what, even if you don't know. That could create a fracture in our relationship. That could create a fracture in our friendship because you holding me down and you giving me advice and you telling me this and I'm listening to it and then something happens on my end, right? You talking and giving advice to the me that you love that you see in this place, that you see can be stronger. I'm talking to the broken me. I'm talking to the me that realizes none of this shit is working. I miss my motherfucking daughters. None of this is working. I'm tired of dealing with this situation with the boys and their mom. I'm tired of not having no help. I'm tired of having to do everything. I can't, I, I can't say that though out loud. Because it comes off as complaining and I'm not trying to complain and I'm not trying to attack. I'm very cognizant on not dumping on people. I'm very cognizant of not making my problems other people's problems. That's another level of mental health 
Like, I can't even get to explaining how difficult that becomes. Everybody go through their shit. I completely understand that. If you are in love with your friends, with your family, with your romantic partner, with your kids, and I'm saying in love because that's what it is. I am in love with the friends that I have. I am in love with my kids, right? I'm not going to put something on you that you cannot bear. I'd rather fight what I'm fighting right now than to put you in a war with no ammo and no shield. You have no clue what's going on for real. I can tell you all day until you feel it, you won't understand. So I'm not reaching out. I'm not asking for conversations. I have to be present. I have to make sure that I'm okay. If it gets bad, like I reach out to somebody, right? If the if the dark thoughts turn into other thoughts, I definitely reach out. I do my therapy. I get on the podcast. Like I don't want to. Uh, again, anybody who loves me who listens to this podcast, I'm not gonna kill myself. Um, I'm not thinking about that or whatever. But sometimes I get to the edge of it, and and when I do, I reach out to my therapist. Um, and the people who I know will be like, hey, fam, like, relax. I can't do that when I'm not in sync with myself, when I'm not in line with myself. If I can't give you what you need, I'm going to let you know I can't give you that. I'm sorry. I want you to have that option. I have a lot on my plate. Like I, I say all the time, I don't have drama. I don't. I really don't. Until I start dealing with other people because now I have to be compassionate and there has to be some compromise of what we talk about, of, of how I help you, how you help me, etc. But when I'm when I'm just chilling and I'm going through my day to day, I have the typical teenage stuff. It's not until they start interacting with their mother. It's not until they start fighting with each other that like, yeah. But I have to be the one to make sense of it all. I have to be the mediator, the moderator, the nurse, the cook. And I'm fine. Like, listen, all you could ask anybody. All I've ever wanted to do was be a good partner, a good father. That's it. I never, as far as I can remember, I never as a kid wanted to be something like that typical, the, the typical firefighter policeman. I could be wrong. My passion for poetry started in 10th grade. Um, I didn't know what I was going to be able to do with it at then, uh, then um, but I just wrote it. But as far as being a kid, I just, I, I just always had established in myself, you know, mentally and in my heart. That's all I wanted to do. And so that's why I don't give up on my kids. That's why, you know, I'm a rock with them. We locked in. Ain't no switching up. But I can't do that if I'm if I'm not here all the way. It's not just about 
how we uh, uh, how it affects individuals. Like this affects everybody around me. Like if I'm absent, like I could be driving. If I'm absent-minded, I could crash. Everybody in the car with me. If I got bills due and I'm absent-minded and I see something like a squirrel moment and I spend that money on that instead of bills due, I'm affecting everybody around me. If we need food, we, you know, need groceries and stuff like that. But I'm like, man, I, I need something for the business and I spend that money on the business and don't make the money back. I'm affecting everybody around me. Right. And we have to think about those things as we are moving through through life. We have to understand that it's not just us, especially if you have kids, if you're in a relationship, it's, it's not just you. It's important that you that you that you're there. Not even in and, and, and scratch that, not even for them. It's important that you're there for, for you. You know how many times I burnt myself daydreaming while cooking? How many times I've been absent-minded and, and kicked my bed and got scars all on my all on my calf because I'm not paying attention to how I'm getting to the bed? It affects you as well. And again, I'm very foundation based like that. We got to do these things ourselves before we start telling others. We got to help ourselves before we start allowing others. We got to love ourselves before we start allowing others to do so. Mental absence creates so much stress. And I know from experience, it starts to make you feel dumb. I learned that the level of depression that I have, it affects my memory, right? So I'll be saying stuff and I'll either remember it differently or not remember it or not remember it at all. I'll be in the middle of conversations and I'll lose the word. And, and I'm not talking about no detailed, scientific, mathematical conversation. I'm talking about regular day-to-day -day conversations. I'll be, in, I'll be talking and I'll the word will escape me. The sentence will escape me. And I had to look into that. I had to really like kind of figure that out. And that's how I learned, you know, the level of depression and stress. It can affect your memory. It creates anxiety because it makes you feel away. When your mind is constantly racing and you're focused on worries, it can lead to a chronic stress and an inability to relax. Additionally, it can hinder problem solving and decision making as you're not fully engaged in the task at hand. I'm telling y'all, it is so important to have your mind right. If it goes, then you go. If it goes, you go. It affects both our interpersonal relationships and our mental health. It also affects productivity and performance sexually and in a work environment. Yeah. Mental stuff can 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 fuck with your sex. It messes with your productivity overall of anything. Physical activity, whether it's working out, playing, uh, playing sports, uh, doing word puzzles, fucking fighting, like it affects it. Because you're not there mentally. You're not focused on getting you're not focused on getting that nut. You're not focused on uh, meeting that deadline. You're not focused on winning that game. You're, you're not there. 
being mentally absent can be detrimental to productivity and performance. When you're not fully present, mistakes happen. You miss important details. You struggle to meet deadlines and needs. It can also lead to a a decreased satisfaction and burnout. I am, trust me, when I tell you I am beyond burnt out. But I'm not giving up. See, that's that's the thing, and I think that's that's why I love doing this podcast because I can be open and honest and tell you the things that I'm going through, but I can also be open and more honest and let you know that I'm not letting none of this mental health stuff stop me. I'm not letting the depression stop me. Yeah, it has affected some relationships, but I gotta I gotta be good with me. And I have to understand that. And it's okay. Right. If if when I'm able and I reach out and and, and every, you know, and I and I speak my piece or, you know, hopefully, hopefully, hopefully people understand. But I cannot be worried about situations that are dead. I can't. If I've tried and I've and I've, and I've tried to open up and there's violation after violation, I had to understand, like, it's not worth it. We got to stop watering dead situations and stop trying to cultivate a seed that's going to bear deadly fruit. That's the beauty of being both the gardener and the garden. You get to decide what flourishes and what diminishes, but you have to be present in all aspects to make the right decision. If you lack it in any of those, you're going to make the wrong decision. You're going to choose the wrong way to go in the fork in the road. In order to combat this, I've made meditation a part of my daily routine. I have to. I have to find my center. I have to slow down. I have to just make sure I'm doing the right thing. It helps me train my mind to focus on the present moment. It reduces mental distractions. And it helps me set boundaries and stand on them shits. When I'm scatterbrained, anybody could do anything like... Again, as a parent, when I'm scatterbrained, I be forgetting I told what kid I told no, what kid I told yes, what I said I was going to do, what I said I wasn't going to do. And I'm just like, all right, you could go. I said no to you. I'm going to buy this. No to that. Like, I'm just everywhere. But when I'm centered, when I allow myself that meditation time to just focus on what I need to focus on right now, it's difficult. It's, it's so much stuff in my head, so many things that I want to do in regards to my business, so many things that I want for my kids, so many things that I want for my finances, for me relationship-wise. It's so many things that go on in my head at the same time. Again, I'm not no different than anybody. I'm certain everybody has these type of issues in a sense of how things run through their through their mind, Right. Y'all strong enough to deal with that to compartmentalize what you need to. A lot of times I'm not. It's just like, yo, I'm just picking and grabbing, picking and grabbing. Just whatever, whatever I can grab mentally and, and hold on to for an hour or so, that's what I grab. Is that good priority wise? No. The way my mind worked, though, I just got to grab what I could grab. I got to stand on who I am, how I am, in order for me to be better. Communication is also key in being able to center yourself allows for proper communication. It's important to express your feelings and intentions to love. But if you aren't mentally checked in, this can become a difficult task. Bruh, I, be, I, I struggle with that. I'm so scared of love for real. I'll be trying, though. 
I be trying to be open. I be trying to, to be caring and stuff like that. But it's just certain times my brain just shuts down, bro. It shuts down. Because all I can think about is the, the, the trauma from quote-unquote love. The trauma from relationships. And again, I know everybody is not going to do the same things. But if you've had the last three relationships that I had and understood it in its full capacity of how it started, how it went, how it was going, how it ended, you would understand why I'd just be like, bro, I'm, I'm chilling. I'm not about to interrupt nobody's life with this bullshit. Like, I, I just, it's difficult. And this is something that I um, identify with myself. Like, I have a hard time with one-on-one communication because my mind is racing about so many things simultaneously. And I try to articulate that with people. Like, it's so difficult for me to be for real in one-on-one conversation. That's why I prefer text. But in a world where text can get misconstrued, that makes it more difficult. I get overstimulated very quickly when it comes to multiple conversation. For me, and this is an accountability, I know that's one of the biggest things of this podcast is accountability. One of the things that I lack the most in communication and friendship, romance, the kids, not the kids, but everything else. I lack the ability to say in real time, hey, I need to clear my mind. I just completely shut down. I I don't, like, I don't respond to texts. I don't respond to messages. Like, I don't answer the phone. Like, I completely shut down. And it does come off as disrespect or lack of empathy. But in reality, my mind, is it just gets stuck at times. It really does. And I just have no words to help me get through it. And... Like, at the tip of my tongue, it's like, I want to be like, hey, I need it. Like, I'm overstimulated. This is this is fucking with me. And I don't want to say the wrong thing. Because that's another thing, too. I, like, and it's another uh, it's another trigger or, or trauma from previous relationships. I don't want to say the wrong thing. I know I'm not perfect. I know that, you know, I'm not always going to say the right thing. But I felt like I said the wrong thing so much or was made to feel like I said the wrong thing so much. Like, I just don't want to do that. So I just I just shut down and I and I'm working on having that ability to be like, hey, that's a lot. Chill. Give me a second to gather that process it properly and give you the response. Being fully present in a moment is a skill that can be cultivated. It takes practice and patience, but the reward in terms of improved relationships, mental well-being and overall satisfaction in life are well worth the efforts. And that's why I continue to fight with what I'm fighting with. That's why I won't give up. That's why I just keep on keeping on when it comes to the depression and the anxiety. That's why I'm I'm very cognizant of how I deal with people and how I allow people to deal with me uh, when I need space and, you know, when I need the love. Like, I'm very cognizant about that. And I don't, like, we don't get to that point without being present. We don't get to that point without understanding ourselves. Um, people, like, early on, you know, are not even early on in regards to the, to the death of Kennedy, but just in general, 
when people want to help and you don't know how to help, so you was like, so you be like, I don't, I don't need no help. It creates an issue, and I don't know how to stop that. I I want people to understand a lot of times when we are at an emotional and mental deficit or going through the fog of depression or the rapid mind games of anxiety, we don't know how we need help. So we're always going to say no, that we don't need it because we don't know. If we honestly knew the help we needed, we would be able to get it. I want to thank you guys for tuning in to the pod today. Remember, mind matters. We got to go through something to get somewhere. Until next time, take care and stay mindful. Peace.